Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. We're starting our campfire conversations this year with two related topics involving our children and young adults, resiliency and risk. Our experience at summer camp speaks perfectly to these vitally important aspects of young people's lives. I'm thrilled to have two knowledgeable friends around the campfire to discuss them with me. Today, we're going to focus on resiliency. My guest around the campfire is Stephen Gray Wallace. I've attended a few of his lectures at different American Camp Association meetings and read a number of his articles. I reached out to Stephen, and he was very happy to help. Stephen's output on the challenges facing and support for our young people's needs have been, well, I mean, in a word, prolific. Stephen currently serves as the president and director of the Center for Adolescent Research and Education. He's also a co-founder and chief executive officer of Camp Intelligence, a data collection analysis and consulting group serving a summer camp industry. He's a past national chairman and chief executive officer at Students Against Destructive Decisions, a former professor at Mount Ida College and Susquehanna University, and has served as a parenting expert at KidsInTheHouse.com, NBC's News, Learn, and Rain. Teen Safe and WebMD. He's currently a writer for a number of publications and is a member of the professional development faculty at both the American Academy of Family Physicians and the American Camp Association. Like I said, the man is prolific. I am thrilled to introduce someone from whom I've learned a lot, my new friend, Stephen Gray Wallace. Stephen Wallace, so happy to have you around the campfire. Thanks for having me, Cole. So I first time I met you was at, I think, the ACA National uh, outside of Nashville, and you were talking about um, mental health within teens. And I thought, okay, this is this guy is exactly someone I want to talk to. Then, uh, lo and behold, you come out with a great article in the ACA, uh, American Camping Association, Camping Magazine, talking about resiliency. And I was like, I got to I got to get you around the campfire to talk about this, because this is to me, the hot topic button uh, for for adolescents right now. Absolutely. So what got you into this? Because I think you've had a little bit of a circuitous route to it, but but how did you get involved with with mental health within adolescents? Yeah, I've had a very circuitous path. My mother used to say, Stephen, when are you going to decide what you want to be when you grow up? Um, I actually had my heart set on a uh, career in marketing and wanted to work in downtown Manhattan, as my dad did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was a first-year counselor at a summer camp on Cape Cod. And our orientation speaker was a woman named Lonnie Carton, Dr. Carton, who uh, was a professor at Tufts University in child studies and had a radio show on WBZ Radio in Boston. And had just written a book called Raise Your Kids Right. And she absolutely blew me away. And right then and there, on the spot, I changed my entire career focus and decided that I wanted to be her. Nice. <laughs> so I, went, I went into, um, you know, study psychology, um, four years as an undergrad. I did a year of clinical work in New Jersey uh, with on a locked adolescent ward in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. And then I did a three-year master's degree. Um at Bucknell University and uh, practiced in several states as a school psychologist. And now I'm in a PhD program at St. Thomas University in Miami in ethical leadership. Wow. All right. So basically lifelong learner here. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> How much has the field changed since you started, you know, f- focusing on this, you know, as a, as an 18 year old summer camp counselor? 
Well, everything, you know, when it comes to summer camp, of course, everything has gotten so much more complicated, not only because of COVID, <laughs> but even before COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, with just changing societal norms and changing ways in which kids identify themselves. Um, it's really become uh, very challenging. Uh, I think overall with adolescents, we've seen, uh, you know, we're seeing a crisis. I have an article coming out tomorrow on this topic, um, a crisis in youth mental health and a surge of suicides. Um, it's just mm-hmm. amazing when you, and it's not all COVID related. COVID made it worse, mm-hmm. um, but we can, we can date it back to 2010, between 2010 and 2017, the suicide rate among young people um, tripled basically. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of fallout from that. Mm. I know there, there must be a lot of reasons for that, but, but could you talk about a couple of them? What, what are the kind of the top reasons why that has, has tripled? That's shocking. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Pew did a really uh, amazing study where they mapped um, youth suicides against the rise of the smartphone and the line, you don't have to be a research scientist to figure this out, but the lines are directly on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, so clearly the advent of the smartphone has contributed greatly to youth mental health issues. We've been hearing lately about the impact of social media, including Facebook, um, particularly for, for young girls with respect to body image um, and social comparisons. So that's been, that's been pretty tough. And then the pandemic came along and just made everything worse. Yeah. Gosh, it's amazing. It's just, uh, God, it's just terrible. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I love camp um, is because there is very, very little technology. And I think it helps children get out of the comparison trap um, that we talk a lot about at camp, where if you're looking through a little screen and you're seeing the best and the brightest curated photos or curated experiences from around the world. You're no longer longer comparing yourself to the kid you're sitting next to in the classroom. You're comparing yourself against the you know person who is the end all be all at that moment. Um, and that's hard to live up to. Absolutely. It was interesting. I did a radio show on NPR on all things considered with a handful of my teenage campers and the, um, the interviewer asked them what it was like to be at summer camp without their cell phones. And, they said that at, at, at the start, it was a tough adjustment. Some of them talked about having phantom vibrations in their pockets, <laughs> yeah. thinking the phone was buzzing and then realizing they don't have a phone. But to a person, their conclusion was that it was great. It was great to be away from that. It was great to be uh, apart from sort of the social pressures that, um, that cell phones and social media bring. Uh, and so to your point, exactly, it's a, it's a different environment at most summer camps and one that's terribly uh, helpful to young people. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. So, you know, the real reasons why I want to talk with you about this is this idea of resiliency um, and how camp helps that and then how parents can use the lessons that we've learned at camp to develop resiliency in children uh, back home. But I guess we should probably start with first things first. How would you define the term resiliency? Well, in my article that you referenced in Campy Magazine, I quote from a book called Growing Up Resilient, and they say people who are resilient can effectively cope with or adapt to stress and challenges in life and then can apply uh, that to other situations in their life. So they're adaptable. Um, and I also talk in the article about, ba- about the ability to bounce back from adversity, quoting from a then 16-year-old uh, former camper of mine, Cameron Gray, 
who gave a speech to younger campers at Camp Hazen in Connecticut about um, resiliency and introducing the concept of failing forward, which he mm-hmm. strongly recommends for young people. Understanding that failure is not only a part of life, but it's essential to becoming resilient. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. You know, I've read a lot of management books, and there's a, a, a big push in the technology world about the idea, the idea of failing fast, learning from your mistakes, iterating and getting better. Um, so it seems like it, it's not only about child development, but it's really also in, in product development or anything else. Fail quickly, learn from those mistakes and move forward. Um, but isn't that, is that something that culture at whole recognizes and says, oh, this is a good thing? It seems to me that no one wants anybody to fail. Right. Well, that's that's true. Probably, especially parents, <laughs> and we can talk <laughs> yeah. more about that later. But um, it's so important to to make it known to kids that it's okay to fail because they are going to fail. We all fail, um, and the, you know we can do two things with that. We can let it drag us down, or we can uh, use it to help us move forward. And I think as educators, it's our job uh, to help them move forward with that failure. Yeah. And what are some of the good things? That would come. I mean, you cite a couple of different pieces here or ideas in your article. You know, the idea of, of of social competence, problem solving, autonomy, sense of purpose, and a belief in a bright future. You know, to me, those are is like the antithesis of being depressed. Those are things like, all right, I've got agency here. I can do that. Is that what being resilient means? Uh, it is. It is what resilience means. I think you know we we all know and. I'm working on a, another article for Campy Magazine right now um, that at camp, kids say they feel they can be themselves, that they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're not necessarily forced into a, you know, a channel or a path or a click. Um, and they routinely report, particularly teenagers, that they do things at camp that they would never dream of doing in school um, for fear of failure or embarrassment. But at camp, they feel that they can sort of spread their wings and test their limits and see where it goes and have supportive um, staff and counselors around them. What is it, in your opinion, having done this for a long time, what is it about the camp community? And I'm talking about whether it's a day camp, residential camp, nonprofit, for-profit, doesn't really matter. That seems to be a consistent theme that camp allows kids to a space to explore and to grow. What, what is it about summer camp in your experience that, that allows that to happen? Uh, I think part of it is the technology piece that we that we already mentioned. Um, I think that probably the most significant part are the camp counselors themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know from research by the Search Institute that young people need at least three caring non-parent adults in their lives um, huh. to reach their potential. And so I think they find that at summer camp. They find... Um, role models who are incredibly influential because they're really not that far ahead in age, um, but are adults and can be very supportive uh, and to encourage um, campers to take positive risks. Yeah, that's amazing. So I I recently heard uh, Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, um, Mm -hmm. who's written a a new book about uh, the rise of artificial intelligence, um, along with two other co-authors. And he said the comment was, we humans were designed for the campfire. And, and to me, that that means that we're designed for community. And it seems like that's the desperate need of our kids right now, especially if you're talking about needing three non-parental adult mentors. 
Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Okay. Excellent. So what can we, what can parents, well, actually let's take, take a step back. So we've talked a little bit about the COVID um, pandemic and what effects, what other effects, well, I guess, well, I guess one thing is what was the reasoning between the drop of resiliency coming out of the, the pandemic? You know, what, what caused it? Was it more time alone? Was it more time on social media? Were, were there other uh, kind of inputs that decreased the levels of resiliency across the board in, in, in our youth? I think it was both of those things. I think it was a sense of isolation, a lack of socialization, and probably most likely an increase in social media, which had good good things to offer as well. It did yep. keep kids connected, but it also exposed them to that, you know, comparison shopping that social media encourages, which can be very damaging to mental health. So how do parents help their children kind of reel back from that? Because, you know, obviously there's a, a function of just time spent, but are, are there other pieces that parents can do that will help uh, mitigate the effects of, of the cell phone? Well, yeah, again, I bring it back to uh, resiliency and how do we help kids be more resilient? And there's certainly a lot of things that both camp staff and parents can do, including letting kids struggle. You know, we tend to, as, as caring adults, you know, we love our kids. And when we see them failing, we want to jump in and rescue them. It's a natural inclination, but it's not very helpful in the long run. So um, letting kids struggle, guiding them through it, offering unconditional support and talking through with them how they can use those struggles uh, to advance themselves. Um, same thing with rejection. Um, you know, parents letting kids be rejected and, and learning how to cope with that and, and process those, those feelings of rejection. Um, not condoning a victim mentality uh, is very important. Um, recognizing the struggle and, you know, listening and parroting back to your kids what they're saying so they know that you're listening and that you're there in the moment um, uh, is very important. Um, All right, so I've, I've got a quick question on that one. Yeah. I've, I've got three just personal experience. I've got three boys, uh, almost 18 16 and 14 and getting them to express anything is like pulling teeth. How, how do you get, how, how would you get a kid who doesn't talk, doesn't really communicate at least verbally what they're going on? How do you help support them in that situation? Well, I think, I think helping them to understand and label the emotions that they're, they're feeling, um, providing a forum to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. uh, I published an article with Psychology Today last week called The Art and Science of Family Dinner, which ah, talks yeah. about, you know, the role that parents can play um, in, in modeling for kids uh, what it's like to express emotions uh, and, and, you know, whether it's talking about struggles they had at work or issues in personal relationships, um, you know, eventually over time, when those conversations become the norm, um, many kids will start opening up and, and being able to identify how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. Yeah. And I think, you're, you know, one of the things you talk about here is giving their kids the tools to self-soothe. Um, and I think that a lot of our kids and, and frankly, a lot of us adults, rather than dealing with the problem, will quote unquote self-soothe by going down a rabbit hole on, you know, the, the internet or possibly, you know, self-medicating maybe a couple of two glasses of wine for the adults, that, that sort of thing, rather than actually living in the issue 
and processing it and then soothing yourself in a healthy way. Do you, do you see that as well with kids, especially with, with distracting themselves rather than dealing with it? Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, when I, when I do parent talks, I, I talk about the, the issue that you raised with regard to using alcohol uh, as a way to deal with stress. And um, so I, at a one recent event, the parent raised his hand and he said, so should we not drink in front of our children? And I said, no, I mean, there's a big difference between adult alcohol consumption and youth alcohol consumption. I said, but you know, if you've had a stressful day, um, and you come home and, and practically knock your kids over on the way to the, you know, the bar, the wet bar, um, you're not setting a particularly good example. And, and I said, as an alternative, you might want to talk a little bit about why your day was so stressful and then go take a shower, hot shower and then maybe have a glass of wine. Right. <laughs> uh, so it, it's not, you know, a knee jerk reaction to struggle is that you, you know, you open the wine bottle. So really, it's a lot of this has to do with modeling, whether you're at camp and you're modeling the behaviors, uh, the staff members are modeling the behaviors that they want to see in their kids, or the parents are back home modeling the experience that are uh, the, the behaviors that they want to see in their children. Absolutely. No okay. question about it. Yeah. Well, it, it keeps going back to that old idea, which is it's, it's all about what I see. It's not what you say. It's what you do that, that affects me more than anything else, um, which frankly is kind of a scary thing for us, <laughs> us parents sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So camp helps to build resiliency because of those the, the inputs of the, the staff members around them, because it, it takes away technology and the comparison trap. It, it allows for a lot of failing forward. Um, but I guess the, the one thing that's hard to replicate uh, back home is that camp really is a world or a community or experience built specifically for children for kids, Correct. you know, six to, you know, 16 in my case, uh, some camps, just three-year-olds up to, to 18. So it just kind of depends on the situation. How can, you know, teachers or, or coaches or parents take those lessons and try to create the same experience in a world that's not built for children? Well, I think making whatever the, the program is or the, you know, the um, activity is making it child-centric. Um, you know, the other element about camp um, that I would add is that it's a great um, social leveling of the playing field. Mm. Um, and it's sort of like a family, all for one and one for all, yep. Uh, yep. and very supportive uh, and built around, you know, that whole notion is that, you know, kids are why we're all here, <laughs> including <laughs> kids themselves. So yep. I, I think that that type of environment can be replicated to some degree, not a hundred percent, but to some degree in schools or in, you know, athletic programs, that sense of family. Uh, I know at the camp that I've worked at for over 40 years, um, we carved out time on Sunday nights to have what we called family time. Um, because when I grew up, Sunday was sacrosanct. We weren't allowed to make any other plans because, you know, grandma and grandpa were coming over for dinner and yep. we better be there. And uh, at first I thought the kids would think it was kind of hokey, but they actually loved it. <laughs> and <they laughs> regularly cited in uh, end of summer questionnaires that it was one of their favorite things about camp was family time. So what do y'all do at family time at camp? What, what does that look like? Oh, it was, I, I called it a, a combination of a pep rally and award ceremony. 
uh, and we would announce special events coming for the week ahead, Mm -hmm. um, which kids really look forward to. That's interesting. So we do a similar thing. We do a campfire every Friday night and that's just what everybody does. We do free play. Then we all together go down to campfire and, and do a similar, you know, we kind of talk and we, we have a, a different theme each night, but it's, you know, the six-year-olds all the way up to, you know, camp mom, Judy, you know, who was, has been at camp for 24 years and everybody in between. And those moments are really, those are special moments where you're able to get everybody together and, and celebrate each other um, in the same way. Right. And again, I think that can, you know, transcend summer camp, uh, obviously through the dinner conversations at, within families themselves, but also, you know, teachers could carve out some time for f- uh, family time equivalent where kids get to talk freely and openly and, and um, bond with their, their peers and their adult leaders uh, or on sports teams. You see a lot of that taking place already. Uh, yeah. So I, I think the world in general can learn a lot from summer camp. Oh, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here for that, <laughs> on that, without a doubt. What are some of the, the pieces that, from your experience at camp, you know, growing up, being a staff member there, what are some of the biggest pieces that you feel like you take from your camp experience and, and put into your life away from camp? Um, I think the ability to reach out and make new friends. Um, uh, I'm doing some research now on uh, transition from high school to college. Mm-hmm. And we did some qualitative research. We, we did in-depth interviews with about uh, six or eight first-year college students, and they all were remarkably well-adjusted. And I said to my, my co-researcher, I said, well, it's not exactly a representative sample. Each of them were former campers, campers <laughs> of mine. So, <laughs> so, you know, camp has a great effect on the ability to which they can adapt to new environments, make new friends. Um, trying new activities, again, pushing their limits. Um, volunteerism, we work very hard at camp to create a, a spirit of volunteerism. Um, if something needs doing, we'll get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and and helping young people learn how to mentor um, other young people, whether they're peers or younger children, is profoundly powerful in helping them create a positive identity for themselves and to grow personally. What, what is it about helping kids, helping other kids that leads to such a great outcome? I think it builds empathy. Um, it builds understanding of someone else and their point of view. Um, I used to do this exercise during staff orientation um, with the counselors where I use guided imagery to take them back in time. And I'd prompt them to remember certain experiences and certain people that made a big influence on that had a big influence on them. And, um, and then I would have them stop. I would take them back in time. I would have them stop at the age of the campers that they were going to be living with and remember characteristics about themselves at that age. And of course, we're talking about, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. So they're they're (laughs) not that long. (laughs) Yes, not that long ago, but it's kind of getting them to that place of helping them to understand how much difference they can make in a child's life by remembering those who made a difference in their lives. That's huge. You know, it's interesting. We had a, I had a great conversation with our assistant director, Dana Stassen, who had used the term um, keyboard warrior, that we all became keyboard warriors during the pandemic because we really couldn't connect and everything was, was you know, typed with our thumbs or on our computers and commented someplace. And that, that takes away your 
the interaction you have with the other party. So you might type things online um, that you would never say to somebody face-to-face just because of the empathy factor alone. Absolutely. And I feel like that's one of the things that our kids and our, frankly, our adults, you know, our staff members, everybody have kind of missed over the last couple of years and have to rebuild that now. Um, the idea of working face-to-face and interacting and gosh, hopefully that's going to help with, with everything, including the, the rebuilding of resiliency. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we saw, um, of course, with the pandemic, we saw anxiety levels among kids skyrocket um, for, for a lot of reasons that, that, we've t- that we've talked about. But then, you know, the inverse became true. When kids started going back to school, we also saw a rise in anxiety because right. they weren't being in those social situations. And then they had to sort of relearn those skills. Yeah, it was interesting. We had a couple of our campers say that going to camp actually made going back to school harder because instead of being in a free and open environment, uh, once we had gotten past all of our testing and everything else, they had their mask or they had to be separated. They had to go through all these different things. They said it was a lot harder to come back to that having had a free summer. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. And I I think we can help kids with that by role-playing with them. I read my Mm. book, Reality Gap. I talk a lot about role-playing situations with kids and helping them figure out what's the best way to act or respond. Yep. Well, that's huge. So basically it sounds like we adults need to help create environments a little bit more intentionally that are going to help raise our kids' resiliency and at the same time, be ready to, to deal with, with some of the fallout. I mean, I think that that's, helping your children build resiliency can be very difficult on a parent or a teacher or a coach. Absolutely. And the, you know, I love the word that you use intentionality. That's so key in camping. Um, And I've written extensively about that as well. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, interesting. I, you know, the same conference where I met you, I was, I was on a, um, I was on a shuttle bus from a, uh, another hotel. And um, I met these two guys that worked at a summer camp near the one I was working at. And I said to them, you know, I've driven by your camp like a thousand times, but I've never been there. And they said, well, why don't you come join us for a day? So I did the following summer and ended up co-authoring a camping magazine article with the director about intentionality in camping. Mm -hmm. And um, I think most camps are intentional, whether they they are (laughs) thinking about it or not. (laughs) not. But at at this camp, you know, everywhere we went, every activity we went to or every living space we went to, um, they said, this is where we teach children X. This is where we teach children um, how to make friends. This is where we teach children how to build teams. This is where we teach children to whatever, you know, going down the list. And it was literally every single activity area and, and overall activity in the camp, there was a reason behind it. Um, and I thought that was so fascinating and so instructive. That sounds like a great camp. There's uh, Andy Grove, who was the uh, CEO of Intel, which is uh, kind of a legendary um, mm-hmm. manager for a very, very long time. Uh, always talked about you have to know the why, you know, behind the what. And it sounds like that camp understands the why in, in each of the situations that they put uh, children and staff in. That's pretty fantastic. Yes. And when you and that will trickle down to the staff and it'll help them understand the value of what they're doing and to, you know, reorient if necessary, uh, how they're teaching, what they're teaching to, to meet that intentional goal. That's awesome. 
Well, fantastic. Well, Stephen, as always, I, I always learn a lot whenever I read something that you put out or, or have a conversation with you. And I, I really want to appreciate or say thank you to, to having you around the campfire tonight. I appreciate your time and, and your generous sharing. And, uh, you know, gosh, let's, let's, I, let's all work together to help continue to, to build resiliency in, in ourselves and, and in our kids, because uh, that's going to make the world a better place. Indeed. Thank you, Cole. It's been great to be with you. Cheers. So my parents had a funny saying that I thought was a little odd growing up, but now that I'm an adult and a parent, I I appreciate. They kept saying that they wanted me to leave their house with a good education, with good manners, and good teeth. (laughs) Um, And mom, dad, you guys did great. I think think I'm there with all three. But one of the things they didn't talk about, but they taught me nonetheless, was how to be resilient. By giving me room and support to reach and to fail and to reach again— they gave me a lot of time to develop the gift of resiliency. They also modeled that same aspect of of our lives, and as did so many of the teachers and coaches that they put in my path. You know, when I was thinking about it, the next group of people who really developed my resiliency were the camp staff with whom I've worked and the kids. You're watching people like Priscilla Griffin you know, create these engaging programs on the fly, no matter what the situation was, was really inspiring. Watching... Elliot Dash helped kids on stage rise past their insecurities and perform was just awesome. And then the kids, too many stories to name about how these kids have persevered and gotten through things um, and, and shown that they can have a blast no matter what the situation. Just incredible. The time of reflections made me realize the importance of something that Stephen talked around a lot quite a bit. The power of connection. Camp, when done well, provides that in spades. The strength that we get from connection increases a young person's resiliency. Stephen spoke wonderfully about so many inputs of increasing that important aspect of our, of our makeup, empathy, and modeling, and learning to fail, and learning how to self-soothe, and learning how to speak about what's going on and name those feelings. These are all things that we learn and do at camp, and they're also things that we can learn and do back home. And that's something I think that's important for us all to remember. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a five-star review on whatever service you're using. The better the reviews, the more ideas will spread. And please share it with a friend. Our Campfire Circle is big enough for everyone. Until we speak again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.